Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name's Laura Rowe. I'm the lucky editor of Olive and your host for this week. First up, we learn a bit more about Adam, our cookery writer, and go behind the scenes of his new feature, as revealed in the April issue, which is out now. Then we have a very exciting interview with Bake Off winner and supremely talented food writer Ed Kimber. He's talking about his brilliant chocolate recipe feature in the new April issue. Plus, he gives his two pennies on the controversial new Great British Bake Off lineup for Channel 4. First up, here's Sarah, our drinks writer, interviewing Adam, our cookery writer. Hello, so I'm Sarah, I'm the drinks writer, and today I'm joined by Adam, who is our cookery writer. Hello. And Adam is quite new to the team. You only joined about three, three months ago now, Yes, yeah, yeah, ago. producer, about, yeah, about three months at the start of this week, I think. Yeah. yeah, so that's gone ridiculously quickly, but we thought, have we actually really introduced you properly to all our lovely listeners? Yeah, You've got well, a new... I've, well, they've probably heard my disgusting yeah, voice. Yeah, you will have heard his voice a lot. Yes. Um, but this is just an opportunity to kind of learn a bit more about him and particularly learn about his new feature in the magazine, which is very exciting. It certainly um, is. So, Adam, you are a trained chef, aren't you? Yeah, I probably went through a, well, quite a similar process that most people in food journalism definitely yeah. is that I have a degree in history and then uh, got a job in marketing and then one day kind of just went wow, this really isn't for me. And I trained... Followed the dream. Yeah, yeah, I followed the dream. So I trained to be a chef. Um, and then I worked in loads of different restaurants in London uh, for like a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then I was a baker for a while. Um, and then I sort of fell into doing this sort of stuff. Couldn't so. hack the hours um, of baking, getting up at... Well, no, actually, you know what? I didn't really mind it, getting up at uh, two o'clock in the morning to go and bake bread. Two o'clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. But you sort of... In the summer, it's really nice because you basically have your whole day. Yeah. Obviously, you have to go to bed quite early, but yeah. you can actually run on far less sleep than you think, I think. It's a dangerous game to play, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, like... You must have been used to it, though, being a chef. You know, chefs famously don't sleep yeah. Yeah, very I mean, much yeah, and do like, long hours. And Yeah, I mean, I was working, yeah, as a chef, I was working 16, 17-hour days. Um, wow. Which, you know, is pretty pretty standard these days. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, maybe not anymore. I think it's definitely better these days. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. And so that's how what sort of led me into recipe writing and doing food styling on the like basically cooking uh, the food that's in the pictures. Yeah, because um, you were recipe testing for us for for quite for like a year or so before. Yeah, on and off. You joined yeah. and you did a yeah. bit of food styling for us. So it was, we already knew you pretty well. Yeah, is... I mean, like it has been a quite an easy transition to join the <laughs> Olive Team, considering I knew everyone quite well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys obviously have made it very easy for me. Yeah. Um, which we is like, very nice. We like to welcome people in. So yeah, as part of, of you joining, we've now got this new feature in the magazine, which is called Test Kitchen Secrets. Hmm. And we thought, given your background, given your kind of chefy background, we thought it'd be really interesting to kind of look a bit more at those kind of techniques and things, tricky recipes that people might need a bit more guidance through or might not know so much about. Yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's about developing a recipe almost it's yeah. about how like some like some recipes that we like that we write it's, it's quite a simple process to actually work through the recipe mm-hmm. so it might be you know if you're making like a pasta sauce you know like chop an onion chop a clove of garlic tin of tomatoes like you know sort of yeah. like, and you sort of what you know the processes but i think these are quite interesting because it's maybe me having a little bit less knowledge on what I'm making and having to really do some research, test yeah. it a few times. And also that, that then... You kind of get an insight into the whole process. Of the, oh, Definitely, I, yeah, I tried yeah. this yeah. this new um, thing in a street food yeah. stall and then I want to recreate that. How do I get from trying yeah, yeah, it d- or from a recipe, from a... Sorry, a restaurant dish or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so this um, in... Is we, is are we in April? Is that is that correct to say? Is um, the April yeah. issue? Yes. Um, so in Which the is April out now. Issue, yeah, out it's now. It's got the all... gorgeous um, beef shin ragu mac and yes. cheese. Filth. Amazingness Looks on the delicious. cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I decided to try uh, and make uh, these... Uh, street food from China called Sheng Zhanbo, uh, mm-hmm. which are like a bigger soup dumpling. Yeah, you might get, might have heard of Xiaolongbo, which are little soup dumplings, um, which are just steamed and available. Like they're quite a, um, like, like a really restauranty thing to go yeah. and eat. Like you would only ever go and eat them in a restaurant. Whereas these are like real street food. Like you See, get I hadn't the, heard of these at all. When you said soup dumplings, I just imagined you kind of your normal dumplings in a soup rather yeah. than what they actually are. Yeah. So that, yeah, so they are um, a, like a normal dumpling in a in a wrapper, um, but there is liquid inside. So um, that was actually one of the learning curves of how to do mm. it. Was like how did the, how do they get the soup inside of the dumpling? Yeah, uh, and they basically you make a stock, uh, and then you turn that into a jelly, and then you mix that through your filling, and then as it heats up, that then liquefies ah. and is trapped, put in your lovely pleated little uh, dumpling wrapper, so that when you bite into it, it has soup. In it. Oozing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a uh, like delicate thing to eat. You definitely <laughs> end up with it running down your chin. Um, but yeah, no, but so that's, they taste incredible. They they are very good, and like it's, you know, it's it's for me, it's really it's a really cool thing to do mm. because it's like uh, the whole premise is like me and, uh, and us to be honest, like the food team and everyone, yeah. if, like they want me to cook something. Like, how do you do that? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really satisfying way to cook for me because. I'm learning and yeah. I like and it's like completely new things which I might have never cooked before and also for people to cook at home that might have been like ah oh, well I'm not trying that because I looks like a complete uh, pain in the butt yeah 
actually, when you break it down and someone like me does all the hard work for you, <laughs> well, not that much. But, so um, you like to say, hey, Adam, can you make this for us? Yeah, yeah, write pretty much. Write a recipe for this. It's, and it just yeah. magically happens. There, there is actually a box in the office where people write things down on bits of paper and then put it, and I will go through it at the end of the week and, you know, just, just go, <laughs> no, I'm, only, I'm only joking. Um, yeah, no, it was, it's, and it's a really satisfying thing for me to do. Yeah. I really thoroughly enjoy the process of starting it's from great. something of like, oh, that looks like yeah. I'd love to make that. How do you do it? Then I might make it once, then I have to like tweak it and mm -hmm. do things to it. And So how long do you think it, it took you to get to nail this first? This one took me at least four attempts, I say. Wow, okay. Um, I'd, I made the dough several different ways and... I used, I initially used bought wrappers, which you yeah. can buy, but actually found out you could make the dough pretty easily yourself. It's just literally flour, water and salt. Um, and then rolling it out, and that was sort of a nice process to do. Mm -hmm. And um, Makes it feel a bit more special if you've done the whole process. Yeah, and considering how easy well. it is, it's yeah. like, it's not an ad, like a massive added process or anything. It's, it's pretty simple, so. Amazing. Yeah, and also, it's also, we often, as recipe writers, just get to write a recipe. But actually, to be able to write about a recipe as well as writing a recipe is really cool. And actually yeah. gives, like... Definitely. It gives more... a bit more insight into it. So Adam's got... Um, there's a lovely long intro written by Adam kind of explaining where the ideas come from, where you mm. can try them yourself. And then it goes into the, the recipe. So you do get yeah. a real insight into yeah, the technique I, I... or the new food style or whatever yeah. it might be yeah, yeah, doing. yeah, yeah. That's great. So this is going to be a regular monthly. Yes, every month, thing. every month. Yeah. So what can we look forward to in the May issue? Um, in the May issue, I'm making roti chanai, which Ooh. is a uh, Malaysian flatbread with like a thin chickpea curry, which is usually served for breakfast, um, and it's absolutely delicious. People might recognise it as similar to like a paratha sort mm -hmm. of style bread. Okay. But it's uh, yeah, it's sort of it's a real cool technique where you. Uh, Basically, you make the dough as thin as possible by stretching it. You oil your work surface and then stretch it, but you'll, you'll see it all once it okay. uh, comes out. But yeah, it's a really, really cool thing to learn. And then after that, I'm smoking, home smoking a brisket. So mm -hmm. how to turn your uh, like normal charcoal barbecue at home into like a low and slow smoker. Oh, amazing. So like we obviously we're used to just chucking burgers and sausages on. Yeah. And having like, you know, using it as like real fiery, quick heat. But actually you can temper that and use that like to low and slow and use smoking chips and lump wood and things like that. To... Make that really delicious barbecue food achievable. Yeah, home. yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you just have to wake up a bit earlier, I think, <laughs> and get it on because like the brisket takes, you know, Well, if you're used to getting up to two o'clock in the morning then it's yeah I, but i have to say i'm going easier. to bed a bit later these days but um yeah so and then after and you've that done a cured is it a cured mackerel oh yeah or? completely i completely just skipped that out um so yeah and actually in may that is the cured mackerel um so yeah it's like taking a sort of this one was slightly easier for me because it's a bit of a chefy technique of a um like a quick cure okay. so which actually is quite trendy at the moment or mm. it has been for a while um of like taking a delicate piece of fish and curing it for only like an hour so okay. like salt and sugar and some like spices mm -hmm. and then just, uh, yeah, spicing it for an hour or so. So how long would you normally cure if it's like a more robust... Well, if you're looking at grab ducks or yeah. one of those sort of cured salmon, you're looking at at least 24 hours yeah. on with the salt and sugar on, potentially four hours, potentially three days for some wow. of them. Um, so this is just a really quick, easy... Yeah, it's just one hour. Um, and then, yeah, using a blowtorch to 
crisp up the skin, serve very with a nice. Shabby. Yeah, very. Well, who, who, if, if the opportunity <laughs> well, arose, yeah. who wouldn't who want wouldn't? to use a, a blow switch? <laughs> um, yeah, serve okay. with a nice little fennel and blood orange salad. Delicious. I bet that's perfect for dinner party. But it looks really beautiful, really impressive. But actually, yeah. well, the thing is, because you could you could cure it like the day before, wash yeah. all the salt and sugar off, and then just keep it in the fridge ready, keep it like uncovered so it's nice and dry. Um, and then, yeah, just blow torch it ready for whenever you want to sit down and eat. And Perfect. then salad, yeah, just chop up some stuff. Amazing. Yeah. And you can see Adam kind of developing all these recipes on his Instagram. Yeah, and also on Pinterest. Is... On Pinterest, um, we're putting together some boards where um, there's a few like little shots on the page where it's like uh, explaining or like maybe like a slightly more technical little insight shots of yes. like how how to pleat the dumplings mm -hmm. in this one. Um, Which is really it, useful visual because so often you read a recipe and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure how that's yeah that's meant to happen. Yeah, so and on a Pinterest um, on a Pinterest board, we'll have a lot more of the shots that are taken during the day when I cook it and, uh, yeah, a bit more insight into the like picture-wise into yeah. that. Yeah, fantastic. So follow us on Instagram at Olive Magazine and obviously all of Adam's lovely recipes will be on olivemagazine.com. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant, looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks. well, thanks for the chat. Thank you to Sarah and to Adam and make sure you check out his Test Kitchen Secrets feature in every issue from now on. Next up, we have an extra long interview with the lovely Ed Kimber. Here he is with Olive Food Director Janine. Hi everyone, I'm here today with Ed Kimber, food writer and winner of um, <laughs> BBC Bake Off, the first edition. Very long, long, long time ago now. <laughs> um, welcome to the podcast, Thank Ed. Thank you very much. So we were just talking about, um, about the fact that you won Bake Off, what was it, seven years ago yeah, now? Yeah, back in 2010, so yeah. going on for seven years, yeah. And at that point, I believe that um, it wasn't such a phenomenon, the whole baking <laughs> thing. No, I always say that um, at the time, baking was at the start of its revival. So I yeah. don't think Bake Off is necessarily completely responsible for it, but it definitely helped push it even further. So yeah. if you look at... I was uh, kind of obsessed with American baking at the time, and Americans were loving baking like on a massive scale at that point. Yeah. And we were kind of just looking to that going, OK, we should do that too. And then Bake Off... Um, they tried to sell that show for years before. Really? Nobody wanted it. They tried to sell it to everybody. Yeah. Um, but what happened is then um, someone at the BBC went, oh, actually, baking does look like it might be having a bit of a moment. Yeah. Um, so took a chance on it. And then here in the UK, Bake Off pushed it way further. Yeah. You know, baking became a national obsession again. So yeah. um, it was interesting to see. But why, why do you think that is then? Why do you think people suddenly, suddenly, I mean, was it that they were looking for that kind of taste of home? or? I think a little bit. I think also at the time, um, it's hard to remember now a little bit, but we were in the middle of a depression and um, people didn't have as much money. And so I used to say that baking was a small, affordable luxury. Yeah. And it gave you that sense of nostalgia and it was a very easy, cheap thing to do. Um, so I think that played a little bit, but also mm. we are a nation of people who love sweet things. We love cake, we love baking. Yeah. Um, think about where I grew up, every little uh, village would have its own little bakery. That's true. Um, and we just kind of lost that love a little bit. Yeah. But I think it was very natural that we came back to baking. Did you, um, is, is baking something that you learnt like, from your family? Or? Yeah, it's quite cliched, really. Um, I was talking on uh, my podcast with Gemma Wilson, who runs uh, Crumbs and Doyle's Cupcakes, how we have polar opposite beginnings in food, and mine's right. like the most cliched one. <laughs> I'm not this punk uh, chef with tattoos, you know. <laughs> I'm middle-class boy from Bradford who's 
who learned to bake with his nan and his yeah, mom. And me too. <laughs> um, I, yeah, my first memories are baking yeah. when I was a kid. Can you remember what book you used? No, and to be honest, we didn't really use books when no. I was a kid. Um, we used a lot of my mom's recipes, so it was the same things over like and over Like the again. sponge, because I was remembering my grandma. really did cakes. Oh, really? No, like my mum would always make cakes at um, birthdays, but I yeah. was never involved in that. So the things I remember making are things like crumbles, mince pies, yeah. Christmas cakes, which my mum has in her. It's my nana's recipe, and she has that in her head. She doesn't need a recipe, she just makes it. Um, and we have so many of those recipes. So yeah. it wasn't until I was like 20 that I started buying cookbooks um, because we just made the same sorts I, of things over I, and over I again. think, because I remember my grandma used to um, weigh things out in tablespoons. So it was like ounces. <laughs> it was like four ounces of flour, yeah, yeah. four ounces of sugar, yeah. uh, two eggs, yeah. four ounces of butter, you know, that classic kind yeah, of sponge yeah, basic, thing. Basic, yeah. um, and we used to, I always remember we had the Bureau cookbook, which yes. I think you can still get now. I, I now have a copy of the Bureau book. But it's really good. Yeah, the one we <laughs> did they have, use Marge for everything. Uh, of course, yeah, but the Bureau book started in the war, so yeah. um, it makes sense. We have this one book, I think it was made by... Um, I think it was Yorkshire TV, or it would be ITV now, but yeah. it was when ITV was still localised versions. Yeah. Um, and they put out this book, something called like the Country Farmhouse Kitchen K- or something. Kitchen, yeah, that's And you can buy it on, on Amazon for like a penny. Yeah. Like, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands oh. of them. But it's kind of really classic countryside kind of cooking. And a lot of things we would make kind of started their life in there. So my mum's scone recipe kind of has a bit of that in it Yeah, as well. and then she would go off and do something well, slightly yeah, different with it. One thing my mum did that I loved as a kid, yeah. and my mum is, is still really proud of it for a reason. So um, my mum used to make um, scones a lot, but she yeah. never put dried fruit in it. She always put um, mincemeat in it. Oh, like really? sweet Christmas mincemeat. Oh, wow. And it's so good. I was going to say, because it's a, a little bit more... It gives it a little see? bit of spice. Yeah. It makes it um, a, a little bit more tender, and it's really delicious. So... When I was doing um, food tech at school, yeah. we had to make scones. So I just naturally made my mum's scones. And the you, teacher yeah. was really impressed. She goes, oh, this is definitely never heard of this. <laughs> so I told my mum and she was very, very happy. Um, I think I ended up then, then putting that in a book. But um, it's just she would do that kind of thing, like put her own stamp on something. And then a lot of very traditional Lancashire, Yorkshire yeah. baking, like really old school So stuff. that's where you got your in- inventiveness from? Like, I hope I, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I should take credit for it. <laughs> but I think a lot of that also comes from travel. Like yeah. I love to travel and a lot of my baking comes from seeing things abroad and trying to replicate that at home. Because you mentioned the, the American thing and I think now we... I know in the last three, four years, we've been looking to a lot of the baking that they, they do over there because, yeah. as you said, they just tend to, like, push things really far. Well, yeah, I think if you look at kind of traditional British baking, it's a little restrained yeah. sometimes and it's it's fairly, you know, it's not extravagant. No. Um, and so I think, as a nation, we quite often look to America for, you know, Hollywood, for music. Yeah. But then also for our food. Like, uh, us as food writers are obsessed with American, you know, street food and American... Um, like comfort food, yeah. like the mac and cheese uh, brisket thing that you've yeah. done. Um, and we love that. And I think looking to American baking is really inspiring because they don't have the same tradition to cling to. No. So they just invent whatever they want. Yeah, they they're have more, ex- seem to be more experimental as well. I mean, especially on the science, you know, they sort of use, they're working within the rules, yeah. but they're kind of slightly pushing it. Well, I think if you think about um, kind of our traditions, it's very basic flavors. It's vanilla, it's fruit, you know, it's yeah. not over the top. Whereas Americans just go, 
must try it. Yeah. It might work. And you come up with these brilliant things. So I love American banking. Yeah. Um, I have this idea that one day I'm going to write this book where I um, literally get in like a VW camper or something. Not yeah. like a drive really, but you know, I'll hire someone. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. I can't drive you. <laughs> well, legally I can. I just haven't driven since okay. the day I passed my test. So okay. no one wants to put me in the car. Um, but I have this idea of driving around America for like a year, yeah. finding bakers mm. to go and bake with and just kind of taking like you know the what was the Englishman in New York kind of idea oh yeah but doing that for baking and trying to figure out the heart of American baking would it be a very expensive book to produce I don't think anyone's ever I don't know I mean maybe that. if there's any producers listening out there this sounds <laughs> like a, good a very good TV mm. show to me yeah take a very long filming schedule but talking of American baking I mean the reason we're chatting today is is the April issue which is out on um Friday the 25th um you've done this beautiful chocolate feature for us yes. um i i basically said to ed because i think when when we when we commission people like you who mm. i know are just absolutely brilliant at what they do um i don't want to tell you what to do sure. i want you to tell me what's out there and you just went away yeah. and came up with these fantastic ideas quite quite out there some Slightly. of them yeah and, it was um, it was a really fun brief actually because um yeah, sometimes briefs can be a little bit more specific. Yeah. Or there's um, kind of a circle to work within. Yeah. Um, but you literally said, you know, interesting, chocolate. Okay. That's basically it. I think I said go a bit mad. Yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I really kind of enjoyed the process of it. Yeah. So um, I wrote it over Christmas. Yeah. Or I started working on it over Christmas. And um, my family would just kind of walk past and I'd be just in my own little world thinking about <laughs> things. And then I made them... I think I made them the babka buns, yeah, um, which they are obsessed with. Yeah, babka's um, very. Well, it's kind hot. of it's one of those American things where yeah, um, suddenly you just see it came like, out of nowhere. Yeah. So I first had babka in the place that a lot of people think is like the home of babka in America, which is Bread's Bakery. Okay, and it's delicious. Um, is that I was, in New York? It's in New York. Yeah. It's in the middle of New York, and it's kind of a really old school New York bakery. It's been there for a very long time. Okay. Um, they make a lot of kind of Jewish-inspired uh, bakery okay. items because the guy who was their head baker also has a bakery in Israel. It's not called the same thing, but it's a lot of the same right, items. Okay. Um, and so he takes a lot of Jewish influence and then kind of puts a slight American spin on them. Um, but the babka became huge about like two years ago. Every magazine in America would write about mm. it. Every magazine here put a babka-inspired thing in. Um, and I'm still not sick of it at all. So and it's like, an, it's, it's like an enriched dough, isn't it? Yeah, it's so, kind of... Uh, it's not brioche exactly, but yeah. it is an enriched dough. And then you basically... Like you're making cinnamon buns, you spread it with something. Yeah. So normally that means um, some kind of chocolate spread, so ganache or Nutella or something. And it normally has some sort of crumble yeah. uh, on top of that, which is normally chocolate-based yeah. as well. And then you roll it up like you're making a lot of cinnamon buns. But instead of cutting them into slices, you cut it down the middle and braid it. Yeah. So the, the kind of chocolate swirl is shown. So it's kind um, of looks kind of like a little a little round plattered type thing. Yes, yeah, so the original one is a round. Uh, it's not a loaf necessarily. Yeah. Um, although most people make it as a loaf. Okay. Um, but it's so delicious. Yeah. Um, in New York, there's one restaurant that turns slices of babka into bread pudding, which oh I'm so going to do. Oh, my God, that's so indulgent. Uh, so indulgent and, like, <laughs> hard to on a plate, but yeah, delicious. really good. Um, so, yeah, actually, a few of these are American-inspired. The, um, the, uh, there's some cookies in there that are made with rye flour. The volcano cookies. Volcano cookies. So they're kind of like Americans will call it either a snowball cookie or a crinkle. Um, and quite often, you get them at Christmas. But the idea for this one came from um, my favourite bakery in San Francisco, which is oh, Tartine. OK. And they, for years, have made a chocolate and rye 
cookie. What does the rye do to it? It adds a real uh, nuttiness to it, yeah. and it just works so well with chocolate. It's almost a slight tang to it. Yeah. Um, and it's so, so good. And the texture, I mean, um, you're about to see the the picture when the mm. magazine's out, but the um, they're kind of like you coat them in and ice and sugar before mm. you bake them and then they kind of slightly explode in, yeah. in the oven. Well, so kind of, like, no one else calls them volcano cookies but me, I, yeah. but my idea is that they kind of look like um, kind yeah. of lava as it goes yeah, down exactly. the hill. But basically, yeah, they're right, they kind of erupt, to keep yeah. the metaphor, and they <laughs> split open. And so you get this kind of pattern of ice and sugar and chocolate and they're really, really pretty. And every time I tested a batch of these, they disappeared. Yeah, because the, so the texture is kind of like... Brownie-like so a little bit. Brownie fudgy yeah. in the middle and then a little bit crisp on the outside. That's so, so good. Like, yeah. I can't have these in the house because they will be eaten mainly by me. So and that's not safe. <laughs> since we're talking about New York, let's talk about the uh, Brooklyn Blackout yes. Cake, which yeah. is... Another which American. Is, which is the start, yeah. Yeah, so that one is a little bit different. And uh, you know when uh, Mary did her bolognese and Italians got up in arms and when um, people do... When Jamie did his paella and the Spanish are up in arms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Americans are a bit more relaxed, I think. But <laughs> it's not a strictly traditional Brooklyn no. blackout. So there's a bakery in New York, in Brooklyn, called... Um, or was there, called Erbinger's, Ebinger's, I think. Ebinger's. And they created this cake uh, post-war in America. Oh, so that's where it came from. That's where it came from, yeah. Oh. It's from one specific bakery. Um, it's a fairly modern cake, so the, the history of it's fairly well known. Yeah. And traditionally, it's three layers of kind of um, devil's food cake, really dark Really dark, dense cake. Yeah, cake, fudgy yeah. chocolate cake. And then it's uh, layered and decorated with a chocolate, what Americans call chocolate pudding, which is like a thick custard, yeah, like it's like a, Yeah, sort of. It's just kind of, it's uh, cornstarch thickened, Custard, basically. Yeah. Um, but with the chocolate, it becomes really, really mm. thick and glossy. And so they fill the layers with that and then coat the outside with that as well. But then they finish it with um, coating the whole thing in chocolate cake crumbs. And it has this really beautiful kind of velvet look to the outside yeah. of it. Um, so I thought I would uh, kind of put my 2017 spin on it. Um, <laughs> so we've, instead of using a custard, the Inside is a custard, but it's a white chocolate cardamom yeah, custard. Yeah, it's really good. so tasty. And the outside is a really nice, um, really light chocolate ganache. And then we've decorated it as traditional. Yeah, and it's I, so delicious. I love the cardamom bit because often um, when someone decides to put spice, mm. especially as something as strong as cardamom, they kind of, they can overdo it and yeah. it just becomes a little bit overpowering. Whereas yours is just very, very like lightly infused. So you get, you get like, it's, it doesn't hit you in the face with yeah, cardamom. Yeah, totally. It's because for me, um, the reason I wanted to put a spin on it was because I love a Brooklyn blackout cake, but it is chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Yeah. And so even though this is all chocolate, because it's white chocolate and because there's cardamom there, it gives mm. it a little bit of a, a different flavour mm. and it mixes together really nicely. So I, I hope it's quite well balanced because I love cardamom, but I am aware that I sometimes put too much in. So I'm glad you said it's balanced because that makes I me think happy. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, I think people are going to go mad for the recipes because for some reason, and it's the same whenever you, you probably find it when you put stuff on your Instagram mm. or whatever, whenever you post something chocolate yeah. on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, it just goes insane. I mean, people Completely. just can't get enough of it. I remember when we were doing <clears throat> the cover for my first book yeah. and... Um, it was, an, it was a, a, just an automatic assumption on my publisher's behalf that we would put chocolate on the cover. <laughs> she went, it will sell better, so we're putting chocolate on the cover. Yeah. Like, done. Um, and that recipe, which is on the cover, is still, like, six years later, one of my most main recipes. So but what was the recipe? It was actually a family recipe. It's my uh, Canadian Aww. family's chocolate cake. So as a family, we call it Canadian chocolate cake. Yeah. In the book, I think I refer to it as my ultimate chocolate cake. And yeah. it's uh, a three-layer chocolate cake with um, a chocolate ganache, 
And it's super simple, but it's so delicious. Yeah. Um, and it looks really impressive as well. So it's yeah. a really nice one for a, a birthday or a celebration. Yeah. Let's just talk about, because um, obviously the Bake Off is about to come back on TV in a completely oh. new form. Um, yeah. I mean, you've you've seen it evolve mm. over the over the time yeah, until it sort of went off the BBC, and yeah. now it's back on Channel Four. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on the new the new lineup? So the when we recorded this, the lineup got announced a couple of days ago, yeah. and it's been very interesting to see the response because I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm quite excited. Um, I think it's so unexpected and so random; it might just work. <laughs> And I actually think, uh, contrary to a lot of people's opinion, I think Noel Fielding is great for the show. Yeah. He has that kind of wacky energy that I think yeah. will work. Wacky, I sound like an old person. But it has that energy. And also I sometimes think I think they were like, oh, he, he doesn't know anything about baking. But I don't Neither think Mel or Sue did. And that's, uh-huh. that, you need that foil of someone yeah. who's going to be sort of like, what the hell are you doing now? And, yeah, you know. I mean, uh, I've been a little sad by the response by some people. Um, I happen to have looked at Sandy Toxvig's Twitter account and the tweet where she announced it and I clicked on it yeah. and I saw the responses and the responses were vicious That's and really nasty evil. Yeah. and a lot of them I just thought give it a chance this yeah. is a show that you purport to love <clears throat> give it a chance because I know Mary's not there anymore but as much as I love Mary she's one part of the show yeah. and I actually think at the heart of the show is other contestants and obviously everything else, it all goes together really nicely. Yeah, because I mean that's that's what we want to watch their journey, don't we? That's, I hope so. That's why we're that's why we're there. Basically. Yeah. So I'm actually <clears throat> quite excited about it, and I yeah. think it has a really good chance of success. Um, and I think Prue Leith is oh, you know, perfect for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. She's got the sort of she's got yeah. the weight. She's got the um, she's got the intelligence. She's mm-hmm. she's definitely got the cooking chops because oh, you know. Um, now, I I've only met Prue a couple of times. But she comes across incredibly warm. She's a lovely person. Incredibly friendly. Yeah. Um, I find her very engaging. Yeah. Um, and I think like she was great in Great British Menu. I think in this role she will be able to be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, I think of the I think she'll I think she'll soften a bit. Oh, because, completely. Because obviously it's just the nature got... of the show. It's not as formal. Yeah. Um, so I'm really intrigued. And also you have to remember that Channel 4 are great at making food shows. Yeah. Like they have a very good track record. Yeah. Um, I was one of the few people that actually really liked uh, Nigella's. Uh, taste show. I know I no one else did, it. but I really liked it. Um, so I just I, love watching food TV. Oh, I can watch, you know, I, I go and put the food, food channel on and sit there all day just. That, that's what out. I do this yeah. afternoon. Um, but no, I, I, I have, I have a, a high hope for it. Yeah. I've got my fingers crossed yeah. tightly that it will do quite well. Um, mainly because I'm hoping it will affect my career. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but no, I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Like a lot of the names that had been bandied around, I was like, oh, a little bit don't too, think yeah. so. I'm glad they've gone for the kind of heavyweight cook yeah. who actually knows what yes. they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. even for the presenters, yeah. a lot of the names that got put around, I just thought, I love you, but not for this no. show. Okay. So I was surprised, but happily yeah. by the lineup, yeah. Well, come, let, let's wait and see. You know? Exactly. Give it a chance. But, um, thanks so much for coming to chat to My us today, pleasure. Ed. Um, if you want to follow Ed on Instagram, <laughs> his tag is... I'm at the boy who bakes on at, everything. At the boy who bakes. The, one of the most beautiful Instagram accounts <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, I'm in the, in the process of um, encouraging Ed to go and have a photographic career of his own based <laughs> on his Instagram happening, account. hopefully. Because it's so good. <laughs> what, what are you up to next? What's next for this uh, year? So I am hopefully just about to start work on my next book. Brilliant. Um, dependent on a couple of things um, I am continuing with my podcast which is um, Stir the Pot yeah. um, actually by the time this comes out an episode with my mum will have oh come out God. for yeah. Mother's Day go listen to that then. Um, 
and we did cry a little bit in here, oh. <laughs> so it's quite sweet. Um, I'm doing a lot of freelance writing. Um, I'm teaching a lot this year, yeah. and I'll be at uh, every food festival in the country <laughs> this year. It feels like, uh, but yeah, same old, same old, really. But brilliant. Um, plugging away well that sounds like an exciting yeah well thanks very much for coming Ed and you can find Ed's gorgeous chocolate recipes in our April issue which is out one of my favourite issues one of my favourite features (laughs) so do try it one of your favourite magazines (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot Ed thanks very much Thank you to Ed and thank you to Janine. Remember, you can read Ed's brilliant recipes in the new issue of Olive out now and you can check out his recipes on olivemagazine.com. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Remember to review and rate us on iTunes. It takes seconds and to buy the new issue of Olive now. That will take you a lot longer to read, I promise. It's jam-packed full of goodies. Happy listening, happy reading, happy eating, happy drinking, happy cooking and we'll see you next week.